It's the Hot Stove presented by the Couple Mets podcast. I'm Ian Bosniak, joined alongside by Robert Venegas, as always. Just a reminder before we get going, give us a follow on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. We are at Couple Mets. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And with that, Robert, the Mets have uh, beefed up the bullpen here with just about uh, nine, ten days to go until pitchers and catchers report. How are we feeling about the moves? How you doing? Yeah, no, I mean, I, f- I feel I feel good. I mean, again, uh, with reports coming out from Andy Martino saying that the Mets were done, most likely done with the offseason, the Mets land Jake Diekman to like a one-year deal worth about like $4 million and a vesting option for 2025. And then they also get, the next day, they also get Shin, let me see if I got this, Shintaro Fujinami. Yes, sir. Yeah, nice. He That's a, and he's he's also a one year deal. I want to say around three point three five million with eight hundred fifty k in incentives. Um, I love him, Ian. I mean, again, we talk about that second lefty to complement Brooks Raley. A uh, guy like Jake Diekman's a perfect fit. And then you know Fujinami. Um, the Mets didn't even throw a pitch over a hundred miles per hour last year, and uh, Fujinami tops out at one hundred three. So another guy that could bridge the gap to Edwin Diaz. And uh, add on to that setup man role with Adam Anovino. I love it, man. Isn't it unreal that we didn't throw a pitch over 100 miles per hour last year? Meanwhile, in 2022, like we we were throwing bullets between Edwin Diaz and Jacob Degrom and um, Bryce uh, Montes De Oco when he showed up. Uh, but yeah, no, dude. Jake Diekman, Shintaro Fujinami, bringing them in is big. You know, Diekman has a ton of experience. He's 37 years old. As you mentioned, four million bucks, and then three point three five million bucks to uh, Fujinami. That's within that ten million dollar range that was kind of reported that the Mets had and were kind of willing to spend. Um, you know, Deakman in two thousand twenty three, that three thirty four ERA, three seventy five FIP, uh, pitched to a point four WAR. Um, you know, something that I really like is that. In Deakman, you also get a pitcher that can get right-handed hitters out. Right-handed hitters hit to a one fifty one batting average against um, Diekman. And Diekman also held left-handed hitters to a two twenty nine uh, batting average against. So he's very capable of getting both right and left-handed hitters out, similar to a Brooks Raley. And then something that I really like about uh, Fujinami, I mean, I don't mean to like hop around here, but, you know, something that I really like about Fujinami, looking at his, you know, splits and his numbers, while he had a very interesting rookie season, hitters only hit two eleven off of him lefty hitters only hit 211 against him so a guy like Fujinami can also you know uh pitch to left-handed hitter so I think it's a really really nice mix and I like the upside on this I really like the way that the Mets bullpen shaping out yeah definitely upside is a great word to use I mean again you know you got you can you can mix and match Mendoza in his first year as Mets manager he could really you know uh finagle some shit uh in terms of you know who to put who to pitch where in certain situations so I don't really remember the last time the Mets had like this band of characters in the bullpen that can get both righties and lefties out. Yeah, they're um, deep. Yeah, and and you know to not to backtrack, but to be fair, obviously that when Diaz didn't get hurt last year to start the season in the World Baseball Classic, the Mets wouldn't even, you know, the Mets would be up there in terms of 100 miles per hour uh, yeah. uh, pitches. But again, you know, we got a little bit of a mix of you know soft throwing lefties, a hard throwing lefty, and then you know a guy that could throw 103, and then another guy that could throw 100 to close games, along with a freaking filthy ass slider. So I'm really excited, man, and can't forget the human slider himself. We we did get Ottavino back. So again, man, 
guys like Drew Smith doesn't have to pitch in like high leverage situations. Jorge yeah. Lopez can pitch six in the sixth, fifth, seventh innings now. Um, man, I'm, I mean, again, I'm uh, to be excited like this. It's uh, definitely a mood change um, from where we were two, three weeks ago. So I'm glad with these signings. Yeah, definitely. Low key. I mean, we were pretty hyped when the Mets signed Severino and went and Wendell uh, within that same day. Right. That was probably the peak of the offseason. If you think about it, the other moves were kind of spread out. But these two moves, I, I don't know exactly what you just said. I feel the most excited here uh, here in the beginning of February. You know what I mean? About about the Mets latest moves and bring in Deepman and Fujinami. So um Really like what I've done. Really what, like what I've done. I'm not doing shit. I um, really like what they've done. And, you know, when you, you look at Deekman again, just he's projected to toss 59 uh, innings this year and 59 games, 392 ERA, 428 FIP. Um, you know, the thing is exactly it lengthens out the Mets bullpen. They have a deep bullpen. They're projected Diaz, Adovino, Rayleigh, Smith, now Deekman, Fujinami, Jorge Lopez, and then Phil Bickford. It takes a lot of pressure off of a guy like Jorge Lopez to bounce back, you know, and up until, I guess, the last week where the Mets re-signed Adam Adovino and brought in Deekman and Fujinami, we were saying that, man, Jorge Lopez is going to be a big X factor going into the year. He still is going to be, right? But now you look at the pressure that's taken off of maybe a, a Jorge Lopez and a Phil Bickford to perform, um, and they could pitch in more low-leverage situations. And same thing with Drew Smith. You know, we know that sometimes he likes to throw lollipops, and, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we've grown accustomed to seeing that from him. But, you know, he's not going to be pitching in those high, high-leverage situations in the eighth inning. And I think that's really, really great, you know. And then Deekman has those, has those traits that, as he gets older, obviously you're going to decline at a certain point, but he's got the stuff. He's got the makeup that he's just been a consistent pitcher for the entirety of his career. Um, not only results, but in terms of durability. And I like that because the Mets haven't had consistency in the pen. Um, you know, and then obviously you give him a vesting option. If he pitches well, Hey, we bring him back for 2025 and he's a part of a year that, you know, we're looking to win. And then in Fujinami, you know, you you look at his ERA from this past year, seven eighteen ERA. Obviously, it was split between Oakland and Baltimore. Once he went to Baltimore, he was a completely different pitcher. But it just shows as well, a seven eighteen ERA in sixty four games. You would say, "Wow, this is you know one of the worst arms and one of the worst stat lines I'm looking at." He pitched to a four sixty one FIP, so much better than his ERA suggests. ERA, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And then again, you know, a guy like Fujinami uh, just needed a change of scenery, it seemed like, because once he got to Baltimore, he, you know, he he was pitching really well. And then same with uh, uh, Jake Diekman, you know, he joined the Tampa Bay Rays in May and his ERA was in the twos. So again, you know, guys like that, that, you know, and again, the Mets are trying to reinvent the wheel in terms of like the pitching lab and being that team that just, you know, molds pitchers into, you know, their highest potential or peak um, you know, Deekman and Fujinami are perfect examples of this. So again, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, and you know, again, if we really want to get creative too, you never know, maybe a trade package comes into the works and a guy like Drew Smith is in that trade package. Then you really, you know, get creative and, and mix up that bullpen. And, you know, again, cause I do know they have Michael Tonkin as well, uh, yeah. competing with like a Phil Bickford 
And um, I just saw on Twitter. I mean, I, I mean, I wish Matt was here because he would know the name. But there's like we have like a six foot ten guy in our farm system that's like could could potentially be like a surprise pickup in the big league or like a big league. Uh, Who Nate, La- that makes Nate Lavender? I don't know if he's yeah, something like that. Something Lavender. Left- I, I lefty. Uh, he's a righty actually. He's like a big six ten frame. Like he pitched to like a two ERA and double A uh, last year, and he, he's expected to like be in like a, a spring training invite. And yeah, he said he might he might sneak up and make the team, but you know, again, just more arms to the to the fold, and that's what the Mets have been lacking. Yeah, I would look on my computer and try to dig to find who that who you're talking about, but my computer's running so slow right now that I'm not even going to. Oh, uh, maybe it's uh, Eric Ors, or yeah, I mean Eric He's Ors. Not bad would, either. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Eric Ors. The Mets announced. Yeah, three days ago, the Mets announced twelve minor league. Invites uh, Drew Gilbert, Tomas Nito, Kevin Parada, Hayden Sanger, Jet Williams, Dominic Hamill, Eric Ors, uh, Christian Scott, Mike Vasile, oh, and Lavender. It's uh, Paul Paul Gervasi. Oh, Paul Gervasi. Gervasi set up yeah. to help Mets weak spot next. Yep. Okay. Strong well, season out of the bullpen for Double A Binghamton. Yep, that's the guy I'm talking about. See, and that's and that's the good thing. So y- you look at the 40 man roster, and I'm not sure if he's on the 40 man roster or whatnot, but you you look at some of these pieces that the Mets have picked up during the offseason and some of the players that they've been developing um, and some of the arms that are in double A AA and triple A and the Mets, you know, I, I say deep because not only, you know, big league wise are they deep, they have the depth now. And um, as I said, from the outset, the bullpen is looking like one of the stronger suits. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned before Fujinami needing a change of scenery, you know, it was also his first year in Major League Baseball. Uh, he yeah, had been yeah. in uh, the NPB. And um, something big was when he came over and was, uh, you know, going after it for Oakland, he started the, his first seven games. He pitched to a 716 FIP when as he, a starter, right? as, a, as a starter, when he, he pitched against the Mets, I think. He started yeah, against the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. And as he, you know, as he transitioned out of the rotation into the bullpen, his numbers started to improve. But then when he went to the when he went to the Orioles, he was a completely different pitcher. Um, three eighty seven fifth as a reliever. So that just goes to show you he doesn't give up home runs out of the pen. I mean, as far as she suggests, I mean, listen, as a starter, per nine innings, seven point thirteen Ks, six point eleven walks, two point four home runs per nine innings as a reliever. 10.13 Ks per nine, 4.8 uh, walks per nine, much improved, um, and a 0.73 home runs per nine. So obviously a much more effective reliever than he is a starter, and we won't need him mm. to be a starting pitcher, right? So, and it's good also because he can obviously give you uh, innings out of the pen yeah. as well. And so can a guy like Michael Tonkin, as you mentioned. Um, so again, I really like what they've done. And I also... You know, it, it kind of goes into when you look at the rotation, obviously the rotation is a weak spot and a complete question mark in and of itself. But we've spoken over this winter about the potential of, you know, maybe starters going four innings or five innings and then the bullpen carrying the rest of the weight. And you look at the way that this offseason shaping up and it's seeming like the bullpen has been the biggest thing that they have addressed. Whereas the rotation, like you have a guy like Sean Manaya who was flip-flopping between a reliever and a starter last year, you might have a situation where Manaya goes four innings, not like he, you know, pitched poorly or anything, but you could have him go four innings, bring in, you know, 
uh, Fujinami for two innings, have a Deekman for the seventh, have Ottavino for your eighth, and Diaz for your ninth, or something along those lines. Like you can get creative um, now. Yeah. And I mentioned only three or four other names. You know what I mean? And, um, and even that goes for the rest of the rotation as well. Uh, so again, I, I, I commend David Stearns for, for what he's done. Obviously I wanted to see, um, you know, obviously I would have loved to see the Mets land a big fish in a Yamamoto or something along those lines, but considering how he patched the rotation, I think he's done an excellent job securing the bullpen and making sure that, Hey, if, a, if a starter doesn't have it that day, or if a starter is out or this or that, you know, the Mets have those pieces that can come in from the pen and give you innings and, and can be really effective and have shown it. I mean, listen, when you're looking at the pen, um, just one through 10, what's your confidence level going into the year? <laughs> so, I mean, again, you know, a lot of new faces um, and then a couple, a couple same old guys uh, that obviously, you know, have had their ups and downs with the Mets, but Again, like I said in the beginning, you asked me this question two, three weeks ago. My confidence level was lower than it is now. But um, I'm going to have to give it like a solid seven, honestly. Again, like you said, like we're one sexy name away from the bull. Like we're one sexy name away from like making this bullpen like stellar. When you texted the group and was like, let's let's effing go. I thought we got Liam Hendricks or something like that. Not even going to lie to you. But um, but again, like the Mets have, like you said, made it where we can mix and match, we can get creative and just pitch guys. If starters don't have it, maybe a, no, a couple openers in this mix. But um, I can't wait to see what they do, honestly. But my confidence level right now is at a solid seven. I really think David Stearns has done his due diligence on all these guys, and there's a reason for everything. And and not, not only for that, like, you know, talk about the best bang for your buck. Like, if these guys end up working out, then those three, $4 million contracts are going to look like, you know, hey, he did his due diligence, he did his job. Um, they're going to look a lot sweeter. Um, so yeah, my, my confidence level right now is at a seven. Yeah. And especially like when you look at the, I was going to, I don't want to copy you, but I was going to say seven as well, you know, and, uh, <laughs> just even like a guy like Fujinami, as I said, you know, before mm. not to, you know, just completely continue diving into the numbers, but average 98 miles per hour on his fastball, he was within the 78th per percentile, um, in whip percentage. So if he can work within the pitching lab as well you have some game changers in that pen. Um, and I'm, you know, I have to say my confidence level is at a seven as well. It's, it's exciting. And it's the first time that I can say that I've been excited um, because I can see a way that the Mets can patch the weaknesses of the, of the rotation with the bullpen and um, all is well. And we'll start to see it play out in 10 days when pitchers and catches are, set to report it's unreal pitchers and catchers are set to report in 10 days 18 days until the spring training games begin it's crazy that it's actually here definitely man i couldn't be more excited honestly because again as much as i love football and basketball nothing beats being outside you know we had a couple of days with the sunshine uh these last two days in new york so again it just reminded me of of uh baseball season coming and you know i can't wait I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, we had a couple days of sunshine. I thought you were going to say last year. And I was going to be like, yeah, I mean, that sounds about right, <laughs> yeah. considering yeah. considering it rained every time we went to City Field or went on the road. But Yeah, I mean, even, you know, the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of rain and grayness. But again, it's nice to see the sun is actually a thing. And, and it was out this Sunday and, and yesterday as well. And, so. the, and the groundhog said that uh, spring's coming early. So Yeah. Oh, you know. dude, I heard about that.
Yeah, it depends how much you look into the groundhog. The groundhog's uh <laughs> yeah. weather projections. Um yeah. yeah. Another note, the Mets are going internal at DH most likely. You and Matt both called it last week. Not saying that you were, you know, excited about saying that that's the way that the Mets were going to go. How do you feel about the Mets going with uh, you know, a platoon of a, maybe a DJ Stewart and Mark Vientos over at DH? I mean, again, listen, you know, uh, you you know my stance on this when we're off air or when we're not recording. I, I would have liked the Justin Turner. I would have liked the – I mean, again, he's still out there, J.D. Martinez, a Jorge Soler to fill in this uh, spot. But, again, you know, um, if they're going to go internal, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what, what Vientos has to offer. I mean, I love D.J. Stewart as well um, as, like, as like a fourth, fifth outfielder and, and a backup D.H. or whatever, or a platoon D.H., uh, considering the type of year he had as well last year. But, you know, just to, the fact that we're letting the kid play from Miami, you know, I remember when we drafted him in the second round out of high school. Um, again, he does have pop. He swung and missed a lot the last two years. But at the end of the day, if we give him 400 or 500 at-bats and he, you know, and he's hitting 18 to 22 home runs um, at like a 240 to 250 average with, you know, 50 to 60 runs batted in, uh, as a first year full time DH, I'll take it. Again, um it, it just it just would have been nice to have like a JD Martinez or a Justin Turner just in case, like not even just in case, but like just to make that lineup even deeper. And you know, God forbid one of one of Vientos or Stewart get hurt gets hurt, then you know, who's next? Who's that big call up uh that uh you know that the Mets would, you know, plug in uh and, you know, grind out some ABs in that DH spot. But uh, again, you know, not really the biggest fan of it right now, but it's more of a wait and see type of feeling. You know, you know, my, my stance all, all off season, I, I get bothered by yep. you know, the fact that the Mets can't drive in runs with runners in scoring position. And, you know, there's always up and downs with certain players. I mean, that's, that's expected with any team, but you know, there's so many question marks. You have to look at McNeil and Marte. You have to hope that they bounce back Alvarez and Beatty. You have to hope that, you know, they take that next step up. Obviously, Alvarez was much more successful than Beatty was last year, but they're both slated to start. You have a Harrison Bader who, excellent defensive-wise, but not the greatest hitter, you know, slated to start in center field. So who's really going to, you know, who do we have that we can say without a doubt is going to protect Nimmo, Lindor, and Alonso? We don't because, you know, it kind of hinges on will Marte and McNeil bounce back? Will the lineup be deeper? You know, something that came out earlier this week, Zips came out with their projections and someone you brought up, J.D. Martinez. He's a guy that I would like as well. Projections don't mean anything. I I, I shouldn't say they don't mean anything, but they don't tell the full picture, obviously. Mark Vientos, they projected 238 with 20 home runs, 53 RBIs, a 728 OPS, accumulating to a 1.7 war, whereas J.D. Martinez projected a 245 average, 22 home runs, 60 RBIs, a 768 OPS, but only a 0.7 war. Now, I think that Vientos is getting more in that more war because I think the defense is playing into that, whereas Vientos, you assume, is going to get some reps at third, whereas J.D. Martinez... Isn't doesn't matter where, really where he lands. He's not expected to play defense, so that does factor mm. into war. Um, but their numbers are really similar. Obviously, a Jorge Soler would hit you thirty-five home runs, so that would be a difference maker. But but Jorge Soler wants multiple years, and I think at this point in the offseason, um, the Mets are 
kind of beyond that point. And if they would have signed Solaire, I think they would have done it already. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily, I won't say I'm confident or I'm not confident because as you said, it's more of a wait and see type deal. I just, you know, I also think it makes room for a potential call up when it comes to a guy like Drew Gilbert, you know what I mean? Then if a guy like Drew Gilbert comes up at some point and takes over that center field role and he produces offensively, then it takes less pressure off of a DH spot, you know? So I think that there's a lot of things that the Mets are looking at a lot of different options. And then, you know, they can always DH, uh, I I don't know. They can always get creative and start Joey Wendell somewhere and, and DH one of their infielders. You know, you know what I mean? Like they can, they can mix and match. They have a lot of different options here, but do I like it? No. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, you know, we're, we're going to see what Beatty and Alvarez fully have in a full campaign. So yeah, may as well see what Vientos has as well. No. Yeah. And then again, you want to, you, you were comparing projections and all that, I guess the Mets and David Stern see the same thing that you're seeing, because again, why would not even waste, but why spend a couple million dollars on a, on a, you know, again, on a JD Martinez, on a Justin Turner, when in reality you have internally, you have a quote unquote, you know, projections statistic wise, a guy that can give you the same type of numbers. Yeah. If you comprehend what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, same output. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I don't blame Stearns again for doing his due diligence, for doing his research. He probably believes in a kid like Vientos, uh, who's come up through the system and all that. But again, I really like getting creative in terms of say one of them, one of Stewart or Vientos does go down, then maybe you shift Marte to that DH spot. And then a guy like Drew Gilbert comes up, plays right field for the time being, whereas 2025, he'll shift over to center, you know, and, uh, you know, that's more down the line. But again, I do, I, again, the Mets are going to get creative, I feel like, and God willingly, hopefully everybody stays healthy. But if one of these two guys go down, I, I do think a call up like that is is uh, realistic and in, in our future. So, And even a Marte, the Mets are going to want to get off the field. I'll, yeah, uh, keep I him mean, in the lineup, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, if he's hitting the ball, but they're a little wary of his, you know, health or his defense, you slot mm -hmm. him in at DH and, you know, you, you have a bat. Um, exactly. And then again, if they want him to steal more, like the same amount of bags that he's always done that 18 to 25 range, you know, and he, they want him to run more. If he gets on base, then, you know, it, it only makes sense just to have him worry about uh, hitting and DH and opposed to putting them out there nine innings every other, every five days, you know? Yeah. No, you're definitely right about that. And it's funny how I mentioned infielders. I didn't even think about a Starling Marte. He's probably, he's probably the biggest candidate to potentially yeah. be a DH at some point, given his uh, durability issues, but maybe um, McNeil could play some right. But again, you know, it depends. Well, yeah, like, exactly. That's the thing too. Like, and, the and then Wendell, can, and then Wendell can play second. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And that's why we get a Joey Wendell, you know, and, and not to, you know, not to just go a wire and, and talk about this down the third, but, Again, I feel like that's why they signed Wendell because then, again, he can play some left field. He can play third. He can play second. It's like you mix and match like we've been talking about all offseason. They're going to have options. That's for sure. And something else that, you know, the last the last thing that I wanted to touch upon um, really when it comes to the Mets right now is that there was a report that came out that the Mets are also – you know, obviously, Steve Cohen has deep pockets, and I think another reason why they haven't signed J.D. or, or a Jorge Soler is that 
they will cost more money to the Mets than they were than they would to other teams because the Mets are exceeding the tax threshold. So really, if the Mets were to sign a JD Martinez, let's say at fifteen million dollars, they would really be paying let's say thirty five million dollars for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, obviously that wouldn't all go to JD, and then probably and what giving up draft capital too. Or... Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so so it's so it's not necessarily um, worth it at this point. But in regards to money, the Mets are saving extra cash for the trade deadline, and I love to see that. And that's something that I like that it was made public. You know, mm-hmm. because at least it's like, hey, listen, we're not necessarily going after this big bat that everybody wants, but acknowledge that we do have cash that we can spend at the off season and we can pick up a guy that maybe is about to hit free agency. You know, if, if we can get a rental or if we're going to get a guy that's under team control, like we can make that impact trade if we want to, um, you know, and if we're in it and, you know, so I, I, I like hearing that because at least it's saying to me, all right, if the Mets are in wildcard contention, the Mets have the money to go ahead and add pieces. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say what I like about it is that the Mets expect to compete this year. And, you know, with all these reports about we're not going to do this, we're not, they're not going to do that. They're going to do this. They're going to stay packed on this. Um, David Stearns and company expects to compete and expects to win some baseball games. So, uh, you know, they're looking ahead and saying, hey, if we're, like you said, if we're in it around June, July, August, we're going to make that move and we're going to save and we're going to make sure we have money so we can make that move. So, I couldn't agree more, man. I'm, you know, and that's why I think I've gotten a little more excited for as a uh, pitchers and catchers reports just in 10 days. So yeah, 2024, never know. Yeah. Excited and uh, a little bit more optimistic. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's know, a better word. Yep. Ton, of que- ton of question marks. Don't get us wrong there. Ton mm-hmm. of question marks. Don't think that we're on cloud nine here after the Mets add, added Jake Beatman <laughs> and Shintaro Fujinami. Uh, yeah. like, we're, we're not, but it's a little bit more realistic to kind of see where the Mets are going. Um, and again, as the season approaches, I, I think no matter what fan base you are, you start to get excited about the possibilities of your team. So again, 10 days until pitchers and catchers report, and uh, we couldn't be more more excited here. So as promised, uh, every year we go over our top 10 at each position <laughs> and unfortunately, Matt's not here, so he'll catch up next episode. We mentioned in the previous episode that we would go uh, catcher and first base to start this little top 10 segment here. So Matt will reveal his next episode along with second base and shortstop, as well Rob and I. Uh, but Rob and I will kick off our top 10 at catchers and first base entering the 2024 season. Since I'm talking already, I'll just start uh, for catchers. At number 10, I have Yanir Diaz uh, from the Astros. He just beat out uh, Francisco Alvarez. At nine, I have Wilson Contreras, the veteran from the Cardinals. Eight, Gabriel Moreno had a great postseason for the Diamondbacks last year. Seven, Jonah Heim from the Rangers. Six, I have Cal Riley. Uh, Cal Riley, incredible offensive season last year for the Mariners. Also uh, great defensively. Will Smith of the Dodgers. Five, William Contreras. Um Great trade for both teams, Braves and the Brewers. Uh, he's at four. I have the veteran JT Romito at three from the Phillies. Sean Murphy, the other half of that trade at two. And then one, Mr. Adley Rushman, who I think is the uh, consensus this year. Definitely, definitely the consensus. Um, I mean, shout out to you for putting Will Smith at number five. I can't wait to see those comments when yeah, the Instagram we'll post goes on. 
But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, before before I give my list, just shout out to the, our followers who shit on my list last year. I can't wait to see what you guys have to say about my list, my list this year. So for number one, obviously Adley Rushman uh, is my number one catcher for 2024. Number two, I Will Smith. Um, I don't really agree with Boz that he's top five. I think he's top two and he's number two. But, agree, uh, we'll agree, to disagree. Agree, agree to disagree. disagree. That's the beauty of it. Whatever. Uh, number three, I have Sean Murphy. Uh, I agree with you. Like I said, great trade. Or like you said, great trade for both sides, uh, the Brewers and the Braves. Number four, I got JT Real Muto. Um, someone I wish the Mets had signed when we had the chance, but we got James McCann instead. Anyways, number five, yeah. I have William Contreras. Number six, I have Wilson Contreras. Um, I love that guy. I love the way he uh, catches baseballs. No, nah, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, number, he's he's top ten always you like, overall. You like the way he catches Cubs. balls. All right, go ahead, bro. <laughs> yeah. anyways, go ahead, brother. Anyways, number seven, I have penciled in Cal Raleigh. Number eight, Yanner Diaz, a uh, young catcher for the Astros. Number nine, I have Jonah Heim from the Texas Rangers. And number ten, I'm a biased. I'm a homer, Francisco Alvarez. I don't know. It's not too biased. As I said, he was right outside my uh, my top 10 for catchers. First base. Uh, you want to go? F- you want to go first? All right. I'm going to go first for first baseman. My top, top 10. I'm going to go starting from number 10. Number 10 is Ty France, the Seattle Mariner. Um, I believe he went to North Carolina University. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong, but it's all good. I love Ty France at number 10. Number nine, Tristan Cassis, the Boston Red Sox. Number eight, Christian Walker, beast for the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, home run machine. Christian Walker at number eight. Number seven, I got Yandy Diaz, guy always hits for average, hits for power, and uh, not only that, he gets on base at a high clip. Yandy Diaz at number seven. Uh, number six, I got Vladdy Guerrero Jr. from the Blue Jays. Number five, he cracked my top five this year, Paul Goldie Goldschmidt. Uh, the seasoned vet just keeps doing it. He's always in the top 10 first basemans, whether he's on the Diamondbacks or the Cardinals, whatever team he is, he's a natural hitter. Love Paul Goldschmidt at number five. Number four, the once outfield, oh, excuse me, the once catcher converted outfielder converted to first base because he had Tommy John surgery. Bryce Harper from the Philadelphia Phillies cracks my top four. He's number four for first baseman. Number three, this one was tough, man. The top three was tough. I know what Braves fans are going to say to me, that I suck, that I fucking favor the Mets. I don't really care. But number three is Matt Olson. He's a beast, capable of hitting 50 home runs if he wanted to, but uh, not better than the polar bear himself. I got the polar bear Pete Alonzo at number two. Yes, I know. Like I said, I'm going to get shit on by Braves fans, but it's all good. And number one, the Los Angeles Dodger, clear-cut favorite in my eyes, Freddie Freeman, the pure hitter, lefty. He's been doing it for years. With Atlanta now doing it with the Dodgers, number one, Freddie Freeman for 2024. I mean, listen, not only do you get shit on by Braves fans because you're a Mets content creator, but it's also because you forgot to add Ozzy Albies to your top 10 second baseman last year. <laughs> so that kind of rubbed them the wrong way and they made you, yeah, made it known. Yeah, they made it. Yeah. Um, my top 10. From 10 to 1, 10, I have the young first baseman from the Rangers, Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, at number 9, I have Christian Walker of the Arizona Diamondbacks. At number 8, I have Tristan Casas from the Boston Red Sox. At 7, I have Yandy Diaz. I echo exactly what you said. Gets on base at a high clip, hits for average, hits for some pop, and then also can play multiple positions. I have him at 7. I have Paul Goldschmidt at 6. Uh, he dropped a little bit for me. Five, I have Pete Alonzo 
So, you know, we're, we're <laughs> you know, we have a little bit of difference there. Um, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Listen, the only reason why Alonzo and Guerrero are where they are is Guerrero hits for more average. Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't deny that, you know, Alonzo hits for dingers, plays good defense, gets on base at a high clip, drives in runs as clutch. But you look at Guerrero does all those things. Plus, you know, he hits for average at three. I have Bryce Harper, uh, the first baseman now. At second, I got Matt Olson. Um, you know, Matt Olson did his thing last year. Phenomenal season, capable as you said of 50, hitting fifty home runs. And then at number one, Freddie Freeman. Um, if Acuna didn't have the year that he did last year, he would have been the MVP. Tremendous year with the Dodgers. Future Hall of Famer, uh, Freddie Freeman is the consensus consensus number one. And uh, looks like you and I both agree with the number ones for the first two positions this year of our top tens and. I don't know. Do you think I'm, I mean, I assume that Matt will have Ad, Adley as number one as catcher for catchers, but do you think he's going to go with Freeman number one catcher uh, first baseman? Uh, I'm sure. Honestly, I think so. Just cause Matt's such like a big uh, stack guy that he is good with like the numbers and who hit for what and, and all that. And I'm sure he agrees with you in terms of the MVP voting. If Acuna didn't have the year that he did, he would probably voted for Freddie Freeman. Freeman's such a stud. And then you look at the contract that he signed, and it's kind of like a bargain at this point. Yeah, um, definitely a bargain. But it worked. listen, it worked out for both parties. Freeman's raking for the Dodgers, and Olsen's raking for the Braves. And, you know, they're number one and two for me and number one and three for you, respectively. So uh, with all that said, you know, we'll, we'll continue on with this over the next couple episodes uh, as we wrap up the hot stove season. Next up will be second base and shortstop. Catch that in a couple days. Um Again, as a reminder, be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. We are at Cup of Mets. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And for Robert Venegas, I'm Ian Bosniak. Thank you again for joining us. Again, 10 days until Pitchers and Catchers Report, guys. Buckle up. Buckle up. Good night, everybody.